Hi, and happy spring. Welcome to episode 112 of the podcast. Today, we are talking to a fellow pelvic health physiotherapist, Annabelle McNutt. Annabelle is crazy passionate about helping her clients and women everywhere. She's been practicing her entire career as a physiotherapist with a pelvic informed lens, but only recently became trained as a pelvic floor physiotherapist herself last year. Have a listen while Annabelle and I sit down and chat a bit about what pelvic health physiotherapy is and important facts that we want you to know. And stay tuned for more interviews down the road that delve way deeper into this all too important subject. Enjoy. Welcome to Vino and Vaginas, the podcast. I'm your host, Cassie Dion, and I'm here to bring you interviews from the absolute best and brightest in their field, all about issues related to being a woman, from health and fitness to sex and dating and everything in between. My mission at Vino and Vaginas is to explore these topics, health, sexuality, and everything related to being a woman in a fun and safe environment free of shame, embarrassment, or stigma going to be an amazing time. Now, let's get to it. Hi, and welcome, Annabelle, to the show. I am so, so excited to be chatting with you today about something that I know is near and dear to both of our hearts, and that's pelvic health or pelvic floor physiotherapy. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about these things that we love so much. I know. I think some of my, some of my friends, anyway, they get sick of me talking about it all the time. <laughs> but for I our never, listen, sorry, go on. I never get sick of it. You can always talk about it with me. Deal. Whatever. Deal. You'll be on the show lots then. So for our listeners, our goal today, so Annabelle is a public health physiotherapist, just like myself. And our goal is to really just have a real conversation about why we do what we do, the good parts, the bad parts, and hopefully answer some questions that you might have or ones that you might not even know you should have uh, along the way. So hopefully we succeed at that goal. And if you have any questions, just shoot us a message to the podcast and we'll make sure to talk about it on a future episode, right? Yep, sounds good. Now, Annabelle, I don't know about you, um, but well, first, actually, before I ask you this question, what is pelvic floor physiotherapy? Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, so I'll kind of tell you like, what I would say to a new client who comes in or maybe isn't too sure what to expect. Um, so pelvic floor physio, and you can fill in anything that I leave out by asking Kathy, but pelvic floor physio um, is the assessment and treatment uh, and management and prevention, hopefully, of um, uh, negative side effects or symptoms or impairment uh, in the pelvic region. Um, so I will always, when a client comes in, kind of grab that anatomy uh, model of the pelvis and I'll say you know this is our pelvis these are our two anonymous bones this is our sacrum on the back and our SI joint and the pelvic floor is is essentially a bowl full of muscles and ligaments fascia and nerves um, and they serve many functions in our body um, one is to support our pelvic organs another is to recirculate blood up to our heart um, another is to aid in sexual function another to aid in bowel and bladder and then finally, to help to support our pressure system with our diaphragm and with our whole abdominal wall. Um, so just like any other type of physio, uh, when we're dealing with, with dysfunction or impairment or pain or whatever it is, symptoms, um, 
it's ideal if we can if we can touch and feel that muscle or that connective tissue to get a feel for you know is this muscle tight is this muscle weak um, is this muscle uncoordinated what what's going on there so so I'll explain that to people because ideally, uh, if they're comfortable with it, that would include an internal, an internal assessment, uh, either vaginally and or rectally, to give us that full picture of what's going on um, with their symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good explanation. I mean, tr the truth is pelvic floor physiotherapy encompasses so much and it looks at, like you said, all sorts of symptoms or prevention or optimization of health really when it comes to that aspect of our body. But what I always like to tell people too is, I mean, chop off your arms and your legs and that's your core. So we're looking at basically that whole system and not just this minute part. But like you said, it's really important to be able to look at the entire system, including those muscles, hence the internal portion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, so I would for sure tell them, I'll look at your back too and your, and your hips and your belly and, and all of the surrounding areas as well. Um, and then obviously, depending on what we find, we will give you a treatment plan, whether that be hands-on treatment um, in clinic, whether that be sending you home with homework, and I would say whether that be, we always send you home with homework, <laughs> um, whether those be exercises or, um, you know, just different habits to try, or, or so there's tons of education that comes with treatment, obviously, um, there's lots of chatting that goes on, and yeah. So mm -hmm. I, I like to think that people come in for a pelvic assessment or treatment um, and leave feeling feeling totally different, um, whether that just be because there's like a sigh of relief, like, oh, well, like I get it now, you know? Um, yeah. So. I love that. I love that. So you did mention ideally there's an internal, which can be either vaginally or rectally. And because of this, I don't know about you, but because of this aspect of our job, I literally get asked all of the time, how did you possibly land yourself in this career? Like what made you decide to want to look at vulvas and vaginas all day? So it's something that I'm always asked. So I want you to tell us your why. Yeah, uh, my story is like a, a bit of a long one, so I won't like I won't go into too much detail. But um, essentially, when I was on my very first placement in physio school, um, I worked at a clinic um, with a lady who's actually um, one of my bosses now. I work alongside her. Um, she, she did orthophysio at that clinic, but she also did pelvic health um, on her own on the side. And so I was like, oh, what's that? I kind of am interested to know about that. And when she explained to me what it was, it clued into me that, oh my gosh, like I should have been seeing a pelvic physio before I had had in my early 20s. Oh, sorry. I had had an early... Um, I had in my early 20s had had um, painful intercourse for a couple of months and, and really did not understand what was going on and did a lot of research on my own and, and um, advocated for myself a lot. I talked to my doctor about it. She wasn't too sure, but essentially I, I kind of treated myself based on just reading things on the internet. And um, anyway, long story short, I realized, oh shoot, I should have, you know, I could have been been going to pelvic physio and so I shadowed this uh, physio a little bit when I was on placement and that really opened my eyes to what is offered and um, how amazing it can be and then I met, went on another placement towards the end of my physio school um, and um, that clinic offered pelvic physio in-house so I got to shadow a lot there too and I just got to see how how powerful it is and how amazing the change can be um, while very emotional sometimes, it's very, very, very powerful stuff. So that's how I kind of got into it. And then I, um, when I was pregnant, I saw pelvic physio. And when I, 
I had my son, I saw a pelvic physio and I found that super helpful. And so I immediately decided now, now I really need to take the courses. And so I, I got myself all um, um, accredited to be a pelvic physio. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's really powerful. And I think it's so important for us to see kind of both sides, right? And I know we'll talk about it a little bit shortly, but in physio world, we practice on each other. And so when we do courses, you know, we have our pants off. We, most of the day, like I think half of us joked, like, why are we even putting things back on, right? Uh, yeah. Because we practice yeah. on each other. And I know not everyone in the, you know, medical world does that. They sometimes have models, but I think it's really important because then we can experience that anxiety that comes with, that first assessment or what is this going to be like, or we can experience being coached, right? So I think that's pretty powerful that you experience that as a patient yeah. and now can help help your clients with it. Yeah, I definitely agree that it's uh, having been on the other side has helped me dramatically. I mean, I'm only six months into being a pelvic physio, but I feel that that, that helped me feel much more experienced than Okay, so six months in, can you tell us the process to become a pelvic physio then? Yeah, so um, obviously you have to be a physiotherapist, um, graduate from a physiotherapy program, you know, get your um, credentials that way, pass the national exam. But then after that, at any point, you can take um, take additional courses. So you so you you only have to take. Um, a level one internal course to start offering internal physiotherapy assessment treatment. Um, and I, I would assume that there are, there's a list of ones that they approve. Um, so I did mine through um, Pelvic Health Solutions, which is based out of Toronto. Um, I did the level one and then I did the level two and the level three. And then from there, there's a zillion others you can do, but mm-hmm. yeah, so, so it's really only level one you need. Yeah. And I think it's important to know. So, so at least when I did my first part, so like my first level, I guess there was, you know, a lot of reading and education you had to do prior to. So there was a ton of preemptive kind of things we had to do. Then there was all the practical things. And then we had a a test where there was actually someone there watching us. And then we had like a post test too. And so just for everybody listening, it's not just kind of a one-off weekend. Like there's a lot that goes into it. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I should have definitely touched on that a bit more. Um, Certainly, yeah, there's a there's a uh, lecture portion and then there's a lab portion to to the level one. And yet yeah, you're you're tested on the lab portion one on one with an examiner and you do an exam on them. And yeah, so that they can they can um, firsthand experience what you're doing. So, yeah, it is it is much more than just a willy nilly little weekend. Uh, yeah, for sure. yeah. And so, OK, you mentioned when we talked about how you became a public for physio, you were talking about how luckily on your first placement, you kind of learned about this. So I guess you kind of did learn a little bit about the public floor early in your career. Would you say you knew much about the importance before then? Did they teach it to you in school or did you really learn along the way just because you happened to talk to the right people? Right, yeah, so a bit of both, I would say. They did do one or two lectures on public floor. They they brought in um, a special lecture to do that and I, I want to say that was in second year physio school but I could be wrong it could have been first year I'm not remembering very well but I yeah so I will say that they did you know they did their best to, to educate us obviously they're not going to do, do too many lectures on it for people who are just not interested in going that route at all but I think they did their their best at saying if your patient presents with you know x y and z 
maybe consider having them see a pelvic physio. Um, so I think that they did a really good job at least at students with that. That's good. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's evolved. So I, for the listeners, I'm a little bit older than Miss Annabelle is. <laughs> so I graduated a while back and I'll be honest, I knew nothing about the pelvic floor. Like we did have one lecture, we did, but it was strictly anatomy and they never really talked about, I mean, the simple things that, you know, seem so common sense now. I never knew about that. Right. And so early, I feel kind of regretful that early on in my career, I didn't have the knowledge of the importance of this part of our body. I look back to patients who I could have better served had I known that. Right. And so, yeah, I don't, I, for me, it was definitely talking to people and, and kind of figuring out missing pieces of the puzzle. And that's how I learned about it, but luckily that's changing now. Um, And we're opening that conversation a lot more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think we've come a long way since even, you know, 2014, 2015, I think we've come a long way in how much we talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think social media is a huge, a huge component of that, right? And there's so many Instagram uh, physios uh, posting stuff about public health and so, so helpful for everybody. Right. So speaking of kind of the importance of public floor, before you were a pelvic floor physiotherapist, okay, so before you did it, would you see common quote-unquote orthopedic problems that actually could have been a pelvic floor dysfunction? And if so, what are some common ones? Yeah, I mean, I definitely did. And, and I, I like to think that sometimes I would say, I, I, I definitely did say sometimes, you know, I think maybe there's more to this and you should see a pelvic physio. Um, but definitely low back pain, you know, persistent low back pain that's not improving, um, hip pain, trochanter, like, you know, that pain on the side of your hip um, when you're lying on your side um, can be coming from internal structures too. Um, being sciatica, pain, you know, pain on the back of your leg. Um, I'd say the biggest one it, it would be the low back so far. Um, and, and so if you have anyone with low back pain from an ortho perspective, you should really be asking the questions about, you know, bladder and bowel and Yeah. Some of my favorite, there was a study done. I want to say time is weird right now. So I can't remember exactly with COVID, but I think it was maybe three or four years ago. And it showed, it, it looked at women who had persistent low back pain. And this study found that 97% of women who had persistent low back pain that they couldn't figure out actually had a pelvic floor dysfunction. So that is absolutely huge. If there's this missing piece of the puzzle that just isn't getting looked at. Yeah, totally agree. They, they ran over that, uh, that study in one of the levels that I took as well. Oh, nice. Mind boggling. Yeah. The, the numbers, they're, they're staggering. So they're staggering. I always say to people like, take your shirt at the bottom and give it a tug. It's going to have an effect at the top, right? So if something's not functioning somewhere, something's going to compensate it and it's just going to change how the whole system works. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great way to explain it actually. And the other thing I'll add to that is, and we'll talk a little bit more about pelvic floor and you mentioned pelvic, um, sorry, you mentioned pressure management, but the other analogy I always use to people is when we're talking about pelvic floor and general health, like take a tube of toothpaste, right? And if you squeeze it in the 
depending on where you squeeze it, say you squeeze it in the middle, it's going to go perhaps up and down, right? So down could be putting pressure on our pelvic floor, but up could also be putting pressure on, right? Like your esophagus mm-hmm. and we could have things like yeah. acid reflux and things like that. So those are symptoms that if people are having, it could mean we can help in terms of this pressure management and pelvic floor connection. So another kind of th- symptom that you might not think is related, but something we might be able to help with. Absolutely, very good point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we talked about kind of some different symptoms other than your, your, your typical pelvic ones, but who are we truly talking to when we're talking about going to see a pelvic health physio? Who would benefit to coming and see us? Yeah, so literally any, anybody with a pelvic floor, which is every single human being, I love um, it. can benefit from it, right? Um, some pelvic physios treat children. Obviously, it's a different, a different approach, but um, even children, bed, bed wedding can, can benefit from pelvic floor physio. Um, yeah, transgendered, uh, transgendered people, cis females, cis males, you name it, every single person can benefit from pelvic floor physio. Um, I'd say probably the most common um, people that I would see would be um, uh, pregnant, pregnant women, postpartum mamas, um, women later on in life, postmenopausal, experiencing a lot of hormonal shifts that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, we both do also treat males. I've only treated one male at this point in my career, but postprostatectomy, um, very, very, very common. Um, is it a hundred percent? I think of men have um, incontinence after having mm-hmm. a So certainly seeing a pelvic physio after and ideally before as well. Um, yeah, but like I said, any, any person can Absolutely. And I would add to that list. I mean, again, you said any person, but I do see, and I know you do as well, people kind of like you who are in that situation in their twenties who are having pain with intercourse or, or something's just not right. There's also some, I mean, we could talk about things forever, but you know, people could have pain with orgasms or, or, or have something called persistent genital arousal disorder, which we've done a podcast on, which is when they have spontaneous orgasms when they don't necessarily want them. So there's so many different reasons that people come see us. Mm-hmm. So you talked a little bit about who, what are the most common conditions then that you treat? So process, you talked about, you know, post-prostatectomy, can't use yeah. that word right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so very common ones would be bowel and bladder dysfunction. So either issues with control, um, leakage, with with urgency or without urgency with with stresses so coffees and laugh or or with exercise um urinary retention as well constipation um, painful bladder syndromes when the bladder is filling up lots of pain um, urgency frequency Um, and then things like just any type of pain in the pelvic region so whether that's vulvar pain vaginismus pain with intercourse in general tailbone pain, SI joint pain, low back pain, hip pain, as we mentioned before, um, scar tissue dysfunctions, whether those are from abdominal surgeries, whether they're old abdominal surgeries or new ones, C-section scars, uh, cranial tear scars, but, you know, everything that's attached, as Kathy mentioned, we could tug on a shirt, so if you, if you have scar tissue underneath the section scar that, that's, that's likely going to affect how your whole pelvic floor and your bladder is functioning it's all mm-hmm. attached um diastasis rectus abdominis um the separation of the abdominals that can happen postpartum 
um, pelvic organ prolapse, as we mentioned before, from a pressure system uh, issue. Pregnancy postpartum, like we said before, and then um, nerve issues as well, pudendal neuralgia. There's so many. I mean, like <laughs> endometriosis, IBS, like yep, these, yep. like so many, like abdominal pain. So, yep. so many. Basically, everyone should come see us if there's any sort of something that could mean some sort of dysfunction, right? Because mm-hmm. again, the body works together. The body works as a system. We don't work with individual parts, and our pelvic floor literally has to work for us all the time, right? <laughs> it doesn't kind of stop and start. It's there for us. So it's involved in a lot of the, a lot of different conditions. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How would you say, and I mean, I know the answer to this, but I want you to tell our listeners if someone has no symptoms whatsoever, but they're in a transitional time in life. So maybe they're pregnant or maybe they just had a baby and then postpartum kind of period and they want to get back to activity or, or during menopause. Is there benefit to coming and seeing us? Yes, absolutely. Big time. Um, so I, I try to tell everyone uh, if they can, if you know, if they have the means financially or the time um, when they're pregnant or thinking about having a baby, it's definitely worthwhile to, to see a pelvic physio and get a baseline of what your pelvic floor is doing. And, and if there's any ways that we can optimize things from here to prevent things in the future, right? And um, and, and as you mentioned before, yes, menopausal, there's, there's big hormone shifts that happen. Again, can we prevent things? If there's nothing happening right now, can we prevent, um, prevent issues from happening or symptoms from arising in the future? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. I, I agree. And I feel like, so I like analogies a lot. So I'm going to throw another one at you, <laughs> but a lot of times I'll see women, whether it's postpartum or any stage of their life who are so confused because they literally felt completely fine. And then one day they didn't. And then all of a sudden, whatever they were dealing with, whether it was a prolapse, incontinence, pain, anything that becomes a huge issue and, and challenge in their life. But they said, nothing happened. I don't know what happened. And so what I always tell people is if there's some sort of muscle imbalance. So the analogy I use is a, an assembly line. So they have two guys working on an assembly line and one guy starts to slack off and the other guy picks up the slack. The end of the product line, nobody knows that anything's different because the product's coming out perfect and and nothing's wrong, right? And that could happen for days, weeks, months, years, but eventually that poor overworked guy is not going to be able to do it anymore. And when he can't, the whole system's going to change and shift and then that product's not going to get made. And so I always say to people, if we can know in advance, if something's not functioning properly, we can prevent that issue from happening in your, you know, 35th year or your 60th year or your 70th year or whenever it might be. Um, so if we, the more information we know, the better, right? Totally. I actually love that analogy. So much. And I'm probably going to steal it. So you might hear me use that analogy in the clinic. And I'll just give you a little wink when I do All right, deal. <laughs> I got lots of them. I don't know. Over the years, I just, I just love analogies. So I swear in a single assessment, I think I tell someone like six of them. So <laughs> Well, they they really help, you know. They make they make sense to the client, and they make it they just make it all come together. So, absolutely, I love the analogy. It's true. Okay, I love it. So, every basically moral uh, kind of gist of the story is everyone should see for you. Everyone, yep. whether yep. you have a vagina or you don't, we can help yep. you. Yeah, if only it was all covered, right? I know. You know, France and Germany does. I know. I, I know. So in France, for those of you who don't know, if you have a baby, you automatically get 10 
pelvic floor sessions, but then they give you an additional 10 kind of abdominal retraining sessions, which we kind of consider the same thing, but so essentially you get 20 free sessions. Um, yeah. And it's amazing because then I they're actually, seeing a lot of less was only six, six um, sessions. So that's even more mind boggling. Right. Oh I think obviously it depends on the person. If someone's great in like three, they're not going to keep going, but mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. And I had a client from Germany. Actually, I have a client who has done pelvic floor physio in Italy, Switzerland with me. And there's one other country. Anyway, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to hear the differences between, she said Italy was tough, but it was more of a language barrier, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, yeah, very cool. That's wild. That's crazy. And if you look, I mean, if you look at the numbers, I have not, but um, what we save preventing, you know, a surgery for a prolapse down the road versus providing somebody with six or 20 public visits, right? I know. Mm-hmm. And how often do you have someone kind of, you know, in their later years who are doing that or going into a surgery and just saying, I wish I knew, I wish mm-hmm. I knew about this before. And that always breaks my heart. So that's why, you know, people like you and me want to educate everyone who will listen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. Now, a misconception that we hear all the time is that really public floor physio is just, you know, teaching some Kegels and doing some Kegels. What do you say to this? Mm-hmm. Um, I would think that we sometimes teach Kegels, but um, I think that the word Kegel is probably misunderstood a little bit. So I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, the actual definition of a Kegel is like a maximal contraction held for 10 seconds. Um, really used to build strength and endurance in our pelvic floor. Um, and, and so, yeah, like I said, sometimes people need that, but sometimes people have pelvic floor tension and they need to just get connected with their pelvic floor again and learn how to let go of that tension. And, and sometimes people have really great strength, but it's just really uncoordinated and they cannot, you know, engage it and let it go when they want to, or it's just working automatically the opposite way we want it to. Um, and again, that would I wouldn't give that person kegels because they're strong. So, yeah, I would say sometimes it's kegels, but I really don't give that maximal ten second hold really very often. Um, at least I haven't yet in the six months. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And would you agree with that, Kathy? Definitely. I think it's so much more than these quote unquote kegels and. Yeah, like it's so, so, so much more. And it's true. I wouldn't give that often either. And I always try to get people past the point of doing these Kegels, because let's be honest, or, or let's say pelvic floor contractions of whatever type, whether sustained or, or not. But nobody wants to sit there and think about their pelvic floor all the time. Nobody wants to just do these exercises because they're not fun. They're not always functional. They are sometimes, absolutely. But yeah, that's, there's so much more to it. And and knowing what to do is really quite important. Agreed. And and yeah. I would just say on that note about, you know, we don't want them to have to be kegels forever um, or pelvic floor contractions forever because the pelvic floor should just be kind of working in the background, mm-hmm. contracting and letting go through the day without us having to think about it. So we obviously mm-hmm. aim to train people to get to that point and never have to think about it. Absolutely. And I think people forget or don't realize that a lot of what we do kind of potentially in the earlier stages, but definitely in the later stages of rehab, like, for exercise, for home exercise, 
sometimes I give people like sprinting. Some people, sometimes I give some people like box jumps, I, like different types of exercise like this is pelvic floor physio, right? And so it's not always these little minute isolated exercises that everyone uh, thinks they are, but we just have to talk about different strategies and teach those muscles to function as they should. I'm, I don't remember all the details, but there was another study that basically talked about people who are quite active and healthy and, and have good movement. A lot of times they have great pelvic floor functioning because it's part of that whole system. So another piece of this is just encouraging and supporting our clients to live an active life. Maybe when they're fearful of leaking, maybe when you know they have a prolapse and they don't know what to do, but incorporating other activity and exercise and movement in their life, because that's only going to help things as well. Yeah. Okay. So we know it's not just about doing Kegels. Then what do you look at an assessment? What, what kind can you walk us through an assessment and then maybe a little bit of, of a treatment as well? Yeah. So every assessment obviously will be a little bit different. Um, I tend to chat a lot, <laughs> but I think it's good because, you know, people, people come into an assessment if they've never been through this before, feeling pretty, pretty nervous and pretty unsure of what's going to happen. Um, so we'll, we'll chat a lot. Uh, I'll give them a feel with my pelvic model that I just told you. Um, yeah, we'll go through that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll take a glance at their back, how their back is, how their hips move, how they're breathing, how their belly looks, um, get, a, get an external perspective that way. And then provided they're comfortable with it and they've consented, obviously, um, we would proceed to an internal and internal assessment. So again, that would start with, with looking externally at provided I'm seeing a, a cis female, looking at their um, their vulva and, and whatnot from an external perspective, making sure there's no sensitivities um, externally before proceeding internally. Um, there's no speculum, there's no stirrups, you know, it's just my glove fingers, um, unless I guess there's a speculum if you're trialing pessary perhaps, but I don't do that, Cassie does that. Um, yeah, so it would just be my gloved fingers. Um, we would do an internal and get a feel for overall what's the muscle tension like? Um, you know, is there high tone? Is there low tone? Is it normal? What is the muscle? What is the muscle function? Is it connecting the way we want it to? Is it letting go the way we want it to? Um, are there are there tender points or trigger points in any of the muscles? Is the connective tissue irritated? Is it creating a burning or a stinging sensation? Um, is there any pelvic organ prolapse? Is there any scar tissue? You know, like what part of me having a tear in that way? Um, yeah, so that would be a vaginal assessment. Um, am I leaving anything out potentially? I would also ask them to cough, and I would look at what automatically happens when they cough, because that's the big thing. Is people will, you know, leak with coughing, sneezing, laughing because mm -hmm. the pelvic floor is not doing what it should do. Um, and that gives a good good indication of what their coordination is like or what's happening when they're not thinking about things. Nice. Um, yeah, and then there may or may not be a rectal assessment as well, which would look at more of the same, um, but from a, from a different, a completely different perspective. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. And I always say to people, essentially what I'm looking at for the internal is, are those muscles doing what they're supposed to be doing when you're not thinking about them? And if they're not, can I get you to think about them and have them do what they should? And if not, where do we go from there? So that's kind of looking at everything you talked about and just figuring out a plan to, to get them there. Yeah. And then, and then you also ask about the treatment. And so again, treatment just very much depends on what we find. Um, 
if we found pelvic floor tension overall in the muscles? Um, is it global? You know, is it all of them? Do we need to learn how to down train this? And I'll give exercises on breathing, relaxing, and learning how to open up those muscles. Um, or is it that we need to train the coordination? And so we need to give some exercises that way. They, they often do start with boring exercises, but they mm-hmm. do get more exciting. They totally um, do. <laughs> yeah. And, and then even if I was eventually going to give a maximal 10 second Kegel hold, I likely would never start with that on the first day, personally, mm-hmm. at least. Um, and then, and then sometimes I'll give them, depending if I find external things, um, with their belly or with their hips or their back, I might give release, release work that way, or I might give strengthening work that way as well. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. And I, like you said, every treatment is so different, right? So I have clients and, and we do predominantly treat internally because that's where we find a lot of the issues and where they see the most benefits. But then I'll have clients where I don't necessarily see their vulva for weeks, right? And we do only external glute hips, all sorts of things like that. I have some, right? So it just depends. It could look like stretching. It could look like for lack of a better word, a little bit of massage to whether it's external or internal muscles. It could look at coaching. So many different options of what, what we do with everyone. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not, it's not a um, cookie cutter approach. That's it really, really isn't. Okay, so moving on a little bit to something different. One thing that we know is that we definitely underestimate the number of women who experience pelvic floor dysfunctions because there's a lot of women out there who simply don't report it or who don't talk about it. I was talking to a gynecologist once and she was saying so many more women, she was speaking specifically about women, experience incontinence, but unless they're directly asked by their primary care physician, they will never tell them, right? And so we know that there's quite a few women and men who are dealing with different issues. So why do you think that there's so many people out there who don't necessarily seek care? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, a huge one is that people are told that, you know, this is normal. Like if you have a baby and you pee your pants and you laugh, ah, that's normal. You know, we might hear from our grandmothers and things like that. Um, because pelvic physio wasn't, wasn't really a thing then. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can be a big one. Um, Another is people just don't know that we even exist. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there can be some shame and some stigma behind those things or feeling like I'm not the only one who experiences this. Uh, and money is a huge mm-hmm. one. You know, it's not, it's not inexpensive. Um, as we already mentioned before, we, we wish that it was covered right, by mm-hmm. the provincial health coverage, but this time at least it is not. Um, and then time can be a huge one too, especially with, with postpartum. And I experienced that too. You know, you feel like, Greg, I get an hour in the day to myself and I just want to lie here and stare at my ceiling. And that is okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's be a hard one. And, and then while we do um, have women and their little ones to the appointment, do if the baby's crying the whole time we don't care but but they they sometimes it's, it's a lot for them so mm-hmm. I think those are the biggest things that I've noticed so far yeah it's tough and I do think you're right like a lot of it there's those are all absolutely reasons and but I do think not knowing or thinking it's normal is such such a huge thing that is hard to change especially for some of the generations that have been told it's normal for years and years and years right mm-hmm. I see a shift in in our current kind of 
I guess, demographic or kind of generation, I guess it would, uh, would be called of women postpartum. They're apt and, and keen to come on in and I love it. And it makes me so happy. But so many of them say their mom was like, what? Like, what are you doing? Why are you going to physio? Right. Because they just weren't taught that or they didn't think yeah. it was an issue. So kind of talking to people as much as yeah. we can is awesome. Like I, I tell anyone who will listen, and now yeah. all my clients then tell everyone who will listen and, and eventually we can hopefully disseminate that it's not normal to experience any sort of symptoms. Yeah. I agreed. And I would actually say that um, in the male, cis male population, um, there is a lot of stigma and, and embarrassment and shame about it as well. And even, you know, they talk about these things even less, I feel, and they don't, they really don't know that, that there's pelvic health for men, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I remember going to a conference. Oh gosh. It would have been like 2011, 12, 13, somewhere back then. So pelvic floor health was not even on my radar whatsoever. And there was a physio who did a talk on, she, she worked with high level athletes and I mean, high, high, high level athletes at one of the performance centers in the States. And she said, so she was pelvic floor physio and she said 90% of her patients were actually men and 90% of those men had a hypertonic. So that means kind of overactive or over tense pelvic floor. And I just remember being like, what? Like, and working on that helps their athletic performance, like what? Right. But it's, it's true. And so it's so important to know this for young guys who maybe haven't had surgery or haven't had any sort of issues, but also for older guys too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. God, it just goes back to what we said. Word. Exactly. It goes back to what we said earlier. Everyone should just come see someone. <laughs> right. Any other barriers that you see or or issues or things that make women nervous to come in? Um, yeah, well, so I, I mentioned like embarrassment for being nervous for sure, not knowing what to expect. Um, or a big one would be um patients who experience pelvic pain. You know, if they've had really bad experiences with internal examinations, such as pap, pap tests and, and whatnot, usually those, those would include a, a speculum or, or not, but they'll, you know, they have negative associations with that and they come in thinking it's going to be the same thing again. Um, so a lot of fear that way, for sure. And I, and I like to think that as soon as we chat and I explain to them, first of all, it's all what you're comfortable with. You can say no at any point and you can just stop it. Um, and, I, and I'm not going to push through any severe discomfort. So that that typically helps right yeah, away. Definitely. And, and to add on that, a lot of women um, or men, a lot of people, I should say, have experienced some sort of trauma, whether it's sexual trauma, mm-hmm. abuse, yeah. emotional abuse, anything. And so what I just want to make really clear to anyone listening today is we don't actually have to do the internal assessment, right? No, if that is no. a trigger or if that is difficult in any way or if you're stressed it can be something we work towards or it can be something we don't ever do because there's a lot of other ways we can also help agree absolutely mm-hmm. agree. yeah yeah and, and, um, and another one that, that can cause a lot of embarrassment for people it is is grooming and, and even just their legs being shaved i'll have so many women who will apologize to me because their legs aren't shaved or they haven't been able to have a brazilian and i say I don't even notice these things. Honestly, do not apologize to me. Do not feel like you have to do that before you come here. It's all good. Like, it's I, so good. It's yeah. <laughs> I used to think the same thing when I went to pelvic physio. I was like, I remember postpartum. Um, I was like, oh, I, you know, I have to make sure everything's all perfect down there. 
And now that I'm a pelvic physio, like it is yeah. not necessary. You, if you want to do that, you can, but you don't it's so true. And it's, it's so true what you said is we don't really, like, I don't remember any of those things. I don't notice it. I really and truly don't care. Um, everyone always worries about that. They worry about, you know, if there's a smell, like yeah. vaginas have smells and they're fine and I'm not worried about them. Right. And so not a problem whatsoever. And then a lot of people don't like if they're on their period, right. That's yep. another thing. And the yep. truth is we totally can treat you if you're on a period and yep. like, I mean, I feel like there's no such thing as TMI and pelvic floor physio, but I was on course one of the one, one weekend and I totally had my period. And so like everybody's yeah. up and in there and nobody cares. Nobody cares. Right. No, agreed. And I actually think, um, a lot of women will, I notice they'll call ahead and they'll say like, I have my period, so I don't have one to do the internal portion yet. And, and sometimes there may be truth to that. And sometimes they, they maybe are making it up because they're not, they don't want to do the internal portion. And that is totally fine. We never totally. have to, we never have to do it. We certainly don't have to do it on day one. Um, but I find that these women typically will come in on day one. They'll meet me they'll talk to me. Well, well, they'll realize, okay, this is totally fine. Yeah. Um, and then the next time they'll be, they'll be fine with it for sure. Absolutely. So. Yep. So to recap you guys, we don't care what your vulva looks like. We don't care if you're groomed. We don't care if you have, you know, doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how it smells. We, we don't care about this stuff. If you have your period, no. it doesn't matter. And I know from that patient perspective, I know how it can be nerve wracking and yeah. you might not believe what we're saying, but believe it because it is true. We really don't care or mind. We hear so many different stories and so many different things in a day. Nothing phases us now. Yeah, very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of, I mean, this isn't exactly regarding this, but I remember one of my most favorite patient interactions in life was this woman who was so embarrassed to come. So we're talking about embarrassment, right? She was so embarrassed. She kept using words like ashamed and, and she just, you know, you could tell she was just so upset. She decided she consented to the internal. We did the full assessment. And at the end of it, she was like, oh my God, this was so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> And I remember that that was early, early on in my career. And I remember that to this day, because I think it's important for everybody listening to realize that you will feel different at the end of your appointment and you will have a new appreciation of this and likely go tell 17 different women about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I totally agree. There's nothing more rewarding than when that, that patient makes me so nervous and so apprehensive about it at the end says, I'm so glad I came. Mm -hmm. yes the win you know I know yeah okay so you mentioned you've done public floor physio public health physio for six months so you're in that first year of your career how how's it going are you liking it yeah I absolutely love it like love 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 I mean there's definitely hard days with it but um overall it's just it's such a rewarding profession and I love it what's your favorite part about it um one of my favorite parts would be what we were just talking about so have, empowering someone with the knowledge of their quote-unquote private parts um, and teaching them about things that are not quote-unquote normal um, and that they don't have to live with these things and giving them hope um, and having them walk out the door being like feeling relieved and feeling like a weight is lifted off their shoulders and like, oh, okay, like I can do this, you know, and I'm so glad I came and I'm so glad I, I did this. Um, that is, yeah, that's hands down the best part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah awesome I know I love I mean I love that too I also love working with you, you probably have seen this in your six months but 
some of the cases we get can be very complicated in pelvic floor world, like a lot of neurological stuff and a lot of orthopedic stuff, a lot of pelvic stuff, and, and they can be quite layered and quite complicated. And those are some of my favorites to work with is to help someone who's seemingly is at their wit's end and kind of being able to weave through everything and get them feeling better. So even though it's very challenging for, for, for the patient and, and being able to help them though, it's amazing. I love it. Yeah, I agree with that too. What, okay. So your favorite part, what about, what's the hardest part? Um, the hardest part is probably what I mentioned before about how, how there can be some emotionally heavy days. Um, I think that you don't go into pelvic physio unless you're a very empathetic person. And um, I even felt like this, I even still feel like this just with ortho physio too, is I it, it can be, you can take a lot on yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are some days when you're dealing with patients who have experienced trauma, um, whether that be physical trauma, mental trauma, or you know, mental abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, um, birth trauma. There's there's those layers that you talked about, and if you if you deal with a lot of that in a day, it's heavy at the end of the day, and it's really really upsetting. So it's important for us to take care of ourselves as well, um, you know. And as much as we take that home, we have to we have to keep a, a line there. Um, And that is a hard thing. And that's a thing a lot of physios aren't always the best at doing, <laughs> but definitely it's worth it. Our job is worth it, but it can be challenging for sure for those reasons. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I always ask, like to ask this question to people as their final question. Are you ready for it? Yeah. If you had to give our listeners three pieces of advice or homework, what would you most want to leave them with today? Ooh, that's hard because I definitely have more than three. <laughs> <laughs> top three, top three. Um, okay. Um, sex should never hurt. It should never hurt. You should never have to push through that. And it's Very a myth that your partner is too big. Yes. That is a myth. There's no such that your vagina stretches. He's yeah. not too big or they're Agreed. not too big or the toy is not too big. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. So sex should never hurt. That's a big one um especially postpartum people are like oh you know I know it's going to hurt the first couple of times it will it will it might feel different the first couple of times and you might be nervous about it but it should not hurt um and so the comfy as if it does um uh, hmm. another one make sure your knees are above your hips for bowel movement yes okay tell us why so there's a muscle around our rectum called the puborectalis and it does a really good job um, of what it's supposed to do, which is sneaking off poop and coming out when we don't want it to. Um, and uh, modern day toilet is not how we were meant to poop, right? We used to squat over a hole in the ground and our knees would then be above our hips. So that is how our body needs to be for that muscle to relax and unseat the poop. Um, and then, so if we sit at a 90 degree angle of our hips, like we do in a modern toilet, that muscle can't relax. So if you put like a footstool, Squatty Potty is the brand that you can get other names too. You can use books, you can use whatever, pile it up so that your knees are above your hips, that muscle can relax and you won't have to strain to empty your bowels. You know, straining can cause a whole, a whole uh, list of issues and we shouldn't have to push to, to, to evacuate our bowels. So no. knees above okay. hips. Knees above hips. Okay, so knees above hips. Sex should never hurt. Yeah. What's your last, your last piece of advice um, or homework? Hmm. 
I would say um, peeing your pants is never normal. It's very common, but it's not, doesn't have to be your normal. You don't have to live with it. Um, yeah, it can, it, sometimes it can be a super quick fix. Sometimes it's not as quick, but we can help you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't have to just live with it, whatever it is, whether it's pain, whether it's incontinence, whether it's, you know, urgency or frequency, you don't have to just live with it. And there are things that we can do to help. And there are things both physically we can do. We can educate you. We can give you tips, tricks, homework. Yes. You don't have to just live with it. Yeah. So those would be my three. So that I kind of talk about bowel and bladder and sex. There you go. I love it. Annabelle, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. It's been awesome. Love talking to anyone about this as we talked about, but especially someone who's kind of in that first year of their career and all the insight that you bring with it. So I think that's amazing. And I know our listeners will learn some things and, uh, and hopefully take away a lot from it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And I feel, I feel just six months into the profession so blessed because I have two fantastic mentors in this profession, yourself, and my, my, my other colleague in Perth, Andrew Pickett, you guys are both just the best. And so thank you for giving me all of your guidance and knowledge. Oh, we love to do it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye.